Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is our Taylor Swift correspondent, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? Um, You know, I'm in need of constant reassurance from everyone around me, <laughs> just like my the subject of my reportage, Taylor Swift. Uh, if you want to give Zach some constant reassurance, you can find us on Twitter at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want, you can find us wherever podcasts are. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Roman Circus Pod. Zach, we want to get straight to our interview today. Do you have any quick news items, quick facts, anything you want to hit the people with before? You really emphasize quick there, which is uh, it makes it very tempting for me to uh, to want to just go into a long rant. But no, mm-hmm. I did see uh, in response to the New York Times uh, Hulu documentary framing Britney Spears mm-hmm. that uh, Justin Timberlake has issued an apology to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson for how he treated them. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I think uh, with the Janet Jackson one, that makes a lot of sense because he like ripped part of her clothes off and then blamed it on her kind of thing. And then she took the blame and got banned from the radio for a bit and he kind of became more famous. But I mean, with the <laughs> with the Britney one and like doing the Crimea River video and stuff, like their whole relationship was kind of a publicity thing. And so yeah. was their whole breakup. And mm-hmm. like, it's very known that like they both did songs about it. They both, you know, leaked little infer- tidbits about each other, but they also mm-hmm. were both in on the process for both of them. Like, you know, so I think it's, I mean, I'm not trying to defend him or say that he couldn't have been better about it, but like that whole thing was a publicity thing. So like his behavior was, he was playing a part. So it was, gee, so, you know. We're all just actors in this game called life, Zach. Exactly. Exactly. uh, Other than that, there's no news in the whole world. Okay, no news whatsoever. Uh, Don't let the Britney Spears update fool you. Uh, We we are going to talk with Michaela Stover. She is uh, very big on immigration. She's with uh, she's a law student and she works in. uh, I don't know. She'll explain it. She can explain it better than I can. And the point is, uh, just a little heads up. We talk about some, I don't, it's not too graphic, but we go, we go the ins and outs of some of the things. It's a frank conversation about solving immigration and what that entails. So if you're listening with any youngsters, you just, just be aware of that. And, uh, yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're multitasking, you should stop what you're doing because, uh, Michaela is a great subject matter expert on this topic and uh we're excited to have her on the show yep and with that let's get to it zach if it's friday is it friday if it's friday then you know we have another great guest um we usually don't release podcasts on friday and we don't often have guests but if it is a podcast on friday we have another great guest and it's michaela it's michaela stover uh She is 
very knowledgeable about immigration. Yeah, you know, and, and important things like that. Uh, Any relation to Russell? To Russell Stover? Uh, yeah. No. I wish okay. because then I could get like a bunch of really cool candy and stuff, but not that I know of. Okay. Uh, okay, Michaela, before you tell us a little bit about yourself, just <laughs> a little bit about us. Okay. I yeah. don't know if you've read any of our reviews, but it's pretty open. <laughs> it's pretty open knowledge at this point that we are the number one President Trump MAGA podcast on the internet. Oh, good. Then we're going to have a great time. I mean, listen. So, first question. Mm. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being obviously the best of all time and 10 being, why are you even asking me this question, obviously the best of all time, how great was President Trump on immigration? (laughs) Oh, easily a 10, right? I mean, best of all time. (laughs) Thank you. Just wanted to get that out of the way. What were you, Zach? What? It, it will always be funny to me that we got that review saying we were the number one Catholic MAGA podcast. And then <laughs> like I was almost immediately accused of being a communist but for saying people needed to wear masks. Or I don't remember what came up, but like I. <laughs> That's incredibly I'm, cool. I'm never, I'm never wrong in a normal way or we're never wrong in a normal way. It's always <laughs> that we're like full-blown Nazis or full-blown Stalinists. Like there's, I'm like, couldn't I just be cringe? Like, it, you know, maybe I just. And stupid. Nope. Like, is, is it always nobody, like that intense? Nobody likes a centrist, Zach. Am I right? True. Yeah. You're just okay. you're just a modernist hack at this point, you know. Exactly. That's what I was aiming yeah. for. Just cringe. Okay. That's what I, I've decided to be cringe this year. That's yeah. Last year we were all cooped up, so it's we were, cringe. We were base. Last year we were base. <laughs> now, we're, now we're cringe. Yeah. Okay, Michaela. So, uh, we I we talked this week. You were. Uh, talking about some like immigration stuff and how terrible everyone is. And I'm like, this Mm. is exactly what I want to talk about this week. Uh, So tell (laughs) us, tell us a little bit. You're a, you, it says here on your Twitter bio, which I get all my information from, um, that you're trying your best. I'm trying my best. That you're drinking horchata. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't say the H. Um, which which age? There's two. The, the first one. Or, orcata. Okay. Yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, it's orcata. It, it's a. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a cinnamon. The rice drink. Rice drink. Right? Yes, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. good. They had Fine it on tap at this hotel I stayed at in Mexico, oh. and it was like it was just it That's was just so always cool. there. <laughs> there is this like this tiny little taco restaurant in El Paso that I can't remember the name of. And it honestly, it probably was like some like really liminal space that I'll never find again, but it had, I'm not joking, the best horchata I'd ever had in my life. And I will probably never have it again. And I find this incredibly depressing. (laughs) Maybe it's one of those places that never appears in the same spot twice. Yeah. Right, right, right. You'll just uh, reconnect with it. So you are, you studied immigrate. Did you study immigration law? Is that no, what you- so basically, um, I I'm a third year law student at Catholic University's Columbus School of Law, um, mm-hmm. and uh, in law school you don't really have majors. You just sort of pick an area of law and do all of your your sort of internships jobs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do immigration um, in right before uh, I, I went to law school in April of 2018. Um, there was a 
huge immigration raid in um, a town called Morristown, Tennessee. It's like a little factory oh, town. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah at, at the time, um, it was the biggest workplace raid in 10 years. Um, and it happened about it happened in my diocese. It happened about an hour away from um, my my school. And basically, yeah, it was just regular morning and uh, I showed up and just took 100 people just without warning to their families. There were kids who came home from school to find that uh, one or both parents had been taken, um, something like 500 or 550 uh, kids missed school the next day because they had had somebody they knew um, essentially disappeared by the government because what happens is uh, they, they'll take them on these raids and they'll almost immediately ship them out to a different state. Uh, so we had people in Virginia, Louisiana, you know, you kind of, you name it, they can really Wait, send so them they, there. They round, basically round up people in one state and then just send them to different states. Yeah, and ship them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, is, is the, like, are these people, are they like undocumented? Like, what is the... Yeah. So they're um, they're undocumented, um, and so and is that, are that they means- all? Look, this is another question because I'm immediately like, mm-hmm. obviously, this is still horrifying. Are but Please. like, are they all like? It, are some of them like perfectly? Uh, so, well, and so this is the issue. So um, technically, technically, you don't have to be undocumented to be deported. Uh, there, there are people right. who have actually uh, green cards mm-hmm. who are deported. Yeah, sure. uh, in this case. Um, actually there was one person who was actually, um, a U.S. citizen who, uh, they, they ended up releasing him, but he was, uh, initially taken because he was Hispanic and they racially profiled pretty much every Hispanic worker and just took him. Um, but yeah, in, well, in this case, what, like freaks mm-hmm. me out is like, so they, they like, I mean, again, I'm not dismissing what happened to everybody that's no, not the yeah. citizen, but like for the citizen, like basically they didn't have their like passport or something on them. And so they just into like, they're kind of presumed undocumented until, until yeah, pr- like, I mean, hey, it's like, cause like I couldn't always just prove that I'm here, you know, like I think that so would. This was actually a huge thing. Um, and uh, I honestly, I, I haven't checked whether the Biden administration has rolled this back, but one of the, one of the final things that happened last year in 2020 was that um, basically this Supreme court ruled that uh, this thing called expedited removal uh, was legal to happen nationwide. And what expedited removal is, is if you um, if you haven't been, if you can't prove, rather, if you can't prove to an ICE agent that you've been in the United States for a certain amount of time, it used to be two weeks, and then Trump racked it up to actually two years, um, any ICE agent could just ship you out, could literally deport you with no judge, no court, no nothing. And then um, it used to be that you could you had the right to judicial review, meaning you could, you know, say, hey, wait, like, you know, I, I have X, Y, Z case and bring it to a judge. But then um, then last year, the Supreme Court said, actually, uh, no, you don't actually even need judicial review anymore. So technically, I again, I haven't seen I haven't looked and seen if Biden has rolled back this policy yet. But at one point last year, really, an ICE agent could just say, well, they didn't prove to me that they've been in the United States for at least two years and ship them out. No court, no judge, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was actually, yeah, that was something that I was, I was really, really concerned about that, that sort of that aspect of, I mean, you know, potentially hundreds of citizens just being, you know, 
taken, essentially disappeared by the government. Dis- disappeared. Yeah, that's a great word. I love that word. Yeah, it, it's, I, it, I don't love it, but it's a, I guess it's a good. Uh, <laughs> it it, you know, has, it's a yeah. It has kind of there's connotation. I don't know how much you guys like know about like Latin American history or whatever, but it it has yeah. connotations within Latin American history. It is, uh, you know, in in Argentina and things like that. It's people who were essentially seized by the government and and in that case killed. But I use it. Because you know, I mean, these—that's essentially what's happening. We, we have yeah, Zach, people. Just to be clear when I well, say it's like your dad goes to work I mean, in the morning and then very, he gets shipped yeah. off. I mean, that's yeah, anyway. It's a very perfect description of what is happening. Well, and especially because, you know, uh, with the the detention system, I mean, there's been multiple. I mean, per year ca- uh, cases of. Um, Instances where ICE will, uh, I, I've seen ICE lie about immigrants' locations. Uh, they, they hardly ever update the website. They're supposed to be updating with, you know, detainee information. There was, um, oh, what was this, October? There was some, at some point last year, there was uh, a rather large group, I think, of women um, who were detained and they were moved and uh, ICE would not tell their lawyers where they were sent. There was, uh, mm. praise God, they were all eventually found by uh, various law groups who kind of intervened. But there was like a solid point of time where there was just like, you know, dozens of women who we had literally no idea where they were at all in the system. So, setting aside the obvious human component that is very, <laughs> much, very large, uh, do they have to tell them? Like, is it part where the system's broken enough to where they just kind of don't have to tell them what's going on? Uh, so they, they do. I mean, they do have to tell them as, as legal representatives, certainly. And, mm. you know, um, yeah, cer- certainly as their legal representatives, there's all kinds of, I mean, I of, of due process implications, you know, for essentially moving uh, a detainee and not not letting them not letting their lawyers know uh mm-hmm. b- you know besides like you said besides the sort of human component of, of this is a, a concentration camp system i mean uh, i one of the the sort of this sounds so depressing when i say it out loud but one of the like academic uh kind of things i've done is is analyzing the the treatment of u.s immigrants um, or rather immigrants in the U.S., um, under the five prongs of the Convention Against Genocide. Um, mm-hmm. under the United I, States. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're failing all, uh, now all five of them. We were, we were doing just four. And then last fall, there was the, the four hysterectomies on, I think now the count's up to 60 women. Um, so that, that was prong number five. So now we're officially meeting all five prongs of genocide. You know, good American exception. <laughs> we don't that just do a, a little bit; we yeah. do all five. And and yeah. we really the the really cool thing is to meet the legal definition of genocide. You actually only need to do one. Uh, so we're we're excelling. If you will. Uh, what are the five? Oh god! Don't worry, to... we're going to go back in the intro and put like a kind <laughs> of a, a listener warning for. Oh people. yeah, exactly. Well, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. So, I can uh, oh, naturally off the top of my head. Uh, basically, it's they're sort of the like classic, you know, like murder. Um, okay, yeah, that's that's bad. You know, just like ma- <laughs> mass mass murder, killing members of the group, uh, causing serious bodily or mental harm is actually uh, one of the prongs. You can mm-hmm. you can be considered to be committing genocide if you are causing you know widespread bodily or mental essentially torture. Sure, you- 
destroying these um, people's lives sure and then uh deliberately inflicting on the group uh it's conditions of life calculated to bring about physical destruction um the important part is in whole or in part uh so you know just because you aren't successful it's not a get out of jail free card um and then uh, imposing measures intended to prevent births is a big one, and then forcibly okay. transferring children of the the out group, if you will, to to another group. Um, so you know we've done all of those, but there's straight up killing members. You know, ice essentially shooting or or otherwise you know murdering, uh, um, you know detainees, causing serious bodily mental harm. I mean, the I we could go we could go through the list, but it's incredibly depressing. Uh, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring out about physical destructions. I, I've been tracking starvation. I've been tracking uh, intentionally inflicting intense cold, um, not allowing sleep, uh, things like that. Imposing measures intended to prevent births. The forced hysterectomies is kind of an obvious one. And then forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Uh, there was um, an issue in Texas that I was, I was following for quite a while where... Um, Immigrant mothers would give birth in ICE detention uh, and um, their children would be taken by the state, essentially, uh, and adopted out to largely white families. Wow. Like, wow. so basically just plucked and adopted. Mm-hmm. Be- and, and their justification was that the babies were U.S. citizens. Right. Uh, sure. And so they... The, it's like the a border justi- case of Mortara. Mortara, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, literally. And so they would say, oh, well, they're citizens. And so they're, they they belong to us, essentially. And so, you know, you had you had mothers who were, you know, they were taken to the hospital, they gave birth, and their children were just taken from them and and this has happened you know several times so when it comes to these detention facilities mm-hmm. um obviously i guess maybe my ignorant view was that these were all just like at along the border or mm, yeah you no, know i it, guess really like common. they're not so when how like what are the circumstances where you find yourself in one is it like you show up at the, you like you attempt to enter the country illegally or you've yeah, been in the country illegally kinds. and they catch you like how do you land in one of these so at so, least officially i know that maybe there's also like other right, type of, like what's the cases. yeah so basically think think of detention for purposes of of jail for any sort of immigration related crime if if at any point you have a case before immigration court and mm-hmm. you know there the the element of deportation is, is being considered you you know you have the likelihood and probability of being detained um it's it's really common to think think of detention centers as just along the border that's not like you being ignorant it's a really common idea but there is actually they're all they're all over the place they're they're all over well the yeah place. like when the forced when the sterilization story broke that i can't remember Georgia. where they yeah, and I was like, well, okay, like what? So at that point, these would have been people who, like, Trying after arriving at the border, were boat. were sent to Georgia. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, what what probably again, this, you know, there's a hundred billion ways that this can happen. But what what you know what like what usually happens is mm-hmm. is uh, there's an immigrant, and they usually will enter the United States. What, what we call entering EWI, entry without inspection, EWI. They enter EWI and they will, you know, um, 
you know, just stay and they'll be found out. Or uh, it's also really common for um, uh, an immigrant who's actually here completely legally uh, and who just for whatever reason overstays a visa or or there's been tons of cases where a visa is expired and they don't know it for whatever reason. If you are found to be in the country, you know, sort of illegally, uh, then you can go to detention. So there, I think, I think the um, sort of what ICE, how, how ICE says that they have about, I think, 250 locations, but that's actually a, a vast underestimation because what, what a lot of people don't know is that uh, ICE has a ton of contracts I've heard uh, about is this where like at your local jail there's like this room is the ice room like it's kind of like a subcontractor yeah yeah 100% I I can guarantee you that if you live within like 20 miles of like a relatively like decent sized county jail you're looking at somebody who's in ice detention um okay yeah so they're they're all over the place in and um, are they are they offered like can they is there cash bail for these people or it's called bond. Yeah. And, and I guess they, you could say there is the legal structure by which they could theoretically get bond. It's, it's famously difficult. I've, I've done bond cases. They're ridiculously difficult these days Mm -hmm. to do basically. Yeah. The, the idea is theoretically uh, if, if an immigrant is detained, they can be given bond and be paroled in the United States to await out their immigration case, uh, you know, in the United States. And something that I think mo- a lot of people don't know is that uh, the immigration courts don't, they're, they're called executive courts. They're not actually like what you would think of as like a normal judicial court. So the rules are like, determined- admin- like a administrative courts, like almost like the, um, what the privacy, what are those called? Like the FISA courts and like, like they're not part of the judicial branch. They're not. And so what that means is that the court system itself actually makes up its own rules. So Uh uh, there's no rules of evidence. Um, There's very, 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 very little real uh, civil procedure rules. Um, Hearsay is allowed, things like that. The the judge really decides, um, you know, what goes. And then there's also like uh, in, in every other single court system, yeah, the the burden of proof is almost always on the government, right? The government can't just say they did this, and you have to prove that you didn't do it, right? But in immigration court, that's exactly how it is. And so with with bond, um, the government comes forward and says, no, they don't get bond, and you actually have to prove that you're not either a flight risk or a danger to the community, and and those two things are defined as broadly as possible to get as many immigrants right. in detention as possible. Well, I mean, I guess if you're sneaking over illegally it's pretty easy to prove the idea that you might be a menace to society right like uh, in, i mean no like because... i'm not ta- i'm not saying that they are obvious i'm saying that like right you, right if they're like, sneaking over maybe they're like the burden of proof would be fairly easy to meet whereas like you know in a, cam- yeah. a criminal like a real criminal case obviously like the state meeting it's burden on that is challenging so right. not um, necessarily so um you uh, a danger to the community actually doesn't refer at all to to entry. Uh, danger to community means that you have some other thing other than just you know being in the country undocumented. Otherwise, yeah. you know bond wouldn't exist. Um, right. And so, uh, like for instance, I I had a client last fall who you know was a danger to the community because he had a single DUI. 
uh, which in 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 like he was denied bond flat out whereas mm-hmm. you know in a normal criminal court i mean a single dui with no you know real damage mm-hmm. probably wouldn't right be a total blocker you know to to in that case bail but it's the same thing but yeah no so it's there's like a whole sort of thing um but there's it's, it's so in pretty much in punditry in, mm-hmm. in punditry there's the the term catch and release and so uh, yes is that referring to this process or is that something totally different it's it's different so uh cat the the sort of i there was a very funny time one time i was i was on the hill listening to a, a, a briefing by a couple um nonprofit advocates and i think like the former head of ice or something because they always have to have at least one person from the opposition on there but uh the not the former ice head was using this term catch and release like all the time. It was getting very frustrating and the nonprofit mm-hmm. attorney uh, sort of comedically leaned forward and was like, I just want to remind everybody like these are people and not trout. Uh, and which I just yeah. thought, Oh goodness. Yeah. It was very funny, know. but um, ca- the, the sort of catch and release punditry thing refers to uh, basically if that's the sort of expedited removal kind of thing. If, if you're, quote unquote apprehended right on the border uh it mm-hmm. was relatively common for you to just essentially be put right back over you know you wouldn't really be detained and go through this whole process because of expedited removal you would essentially just be deported by an ice agent and this was something that in the um at, at the border especially in you know in the obama years was was quite normal and that republicans uh seized on and again, both parties do this, but just at that time we had a democratic pro- president. So it was the Republican party who was, you know, claiming foul. And so they sort of came up with this term catch and release to say that by not detaining them or putting harsh penalties on them, you were sort of releasing them or something. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, that was, that was what, like, I think as I had understood or as I'd heard it explained was basically mm. Um, you're, you know, you're apprehended, you get a court date and then they send you on your merry way and then you never show up for your court date and you get to stay in the United <laughs> States forever. And then yeah, I'm saying, right. you know, this it's is like me. talk radio, but I'm just explaining, oh, yeah, this no, is no, how no, it's, co- I mean, this is a, yeah. So, oh yeah. so that's Trust not me. how it works. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I, I, I think at, at this point, I don't think any sort of pundit, punditry could shock or offend me is I've just I've heard so much of it at this point but but that yeah that was sort of the claim was that you know they get to live their merry lives and then they just keep sort of what re quote-unquote re-offending over and over again which you know obviously this wasn't the case the 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 whole you know they don't show up for their court date thing that's also like a complete fabrication that, that that's a really common one uh that that one's used a lot to sort of put in all kinds of restrictions on various uh, rules and things that just essentially make it more difficult um, for immigrants to get legal status. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially because unlike uh, the criminal system, you know, if you can't afford a lawyer, you're given a lawyer in the immigration court system that doesn't exist. So you're free to to hire an, an attorney by all means, but if you cannot afford an attorney, you are not given an attorney. You have to just kind of, Go seems, for it yourself. Seems like so are there usually like advocate groups people, that fill the gap? Or, yeah. Well, I was gonna say it seems like it's most common that 
they would not be able to afford an attorney. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, right yeah. now, I think. I mean, I assume the, if you're sneaking across, like it's not, mm. it's not that you're bringing with you like a lot of retainers. Bags you know, of I mean, cash. like, like at the point yeah. that you're not coming here through most of the. I mean, there's obviously student visas and work visas that expire, but I think for a lot of people who would be subject to this process, like probably like the circumstances would suggest they're by and large not bringing like a bunch of money with them. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, especially because, you know, at least right now, um, most of the people who are coming are, you know, asylum seekers, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's the population that I work the most with is asylum seekers, refugees, these sort of humanitarian immigration um, issues and, and people who, who sort of are seeking those issues. Um, but uh, yeah, a ton from, I mean, they, they come from all over really. There's, it depends on the region that you're working in. Like if you're working on the border, they're all going to be from Mexico, Central America, that type of stuff. If you're working, you know, more internally, they might be from Eritrea or, or some of the, like the African countries or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it, but I mean, you know, a, What's ironic about, and I, I did, I don't know if I, if either of you knew this, but for Rehumanize International's Human Rights Conference this past fall, I did a, a talk on the sort of history of United States involvement in Latin America and how, you know, we kind of like just totally destabilized the region and, and ruined their economy in a hundred different ways. And then the people, you know. For, kind of, for cheap fruit, right? Like, was that, was oh, that like yeah, a big that, part of it? That, that's what you go to banana land yeah yeah the yeah. Stuff, right? mm-hmm. yeah the united fruit company was really the the first well one of the first really big ones in the early 1900s uh was a u uh, that which is always how it works it's always some u.s corporation who wants to flee some sort of u.s regulation that's too stringent be it land or tax or, or whatever else and so they'll they'll kind of set up shop in in a central american or otherwise uh you know, Southern country and they'll cause all kinds of havoc. Uh, use they're, they're really into sponsoring, um, coups really into sweatshops. Oh, they love that. They can't get they, enough of that. Oh, stuff. we love I know our, it was odd on January 6th. I was like, wait, so we're, we're against it's coups like, now. It's I was our like, turn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was like, I guess it's a good thing. There's not a U.S. embassy nearby to be planning this because uh, right. that's probably why it didn't, <laughs> um oh, yeah. it's probably why it didn't succeed have i do you guys have i like have you guys ever heard i call it i call it the school of coups but the college of the americas in georgia no no <gasps> oh let me tell you so there is it. there is an entire uh military base this still exists to this day right now on february 12 2021 uh it's called the college of the americas it's in georgia and the entire like the state role, of georgia like the state of georgia Okay. Uh, it is and it's a U.S. military base, and their entire job is they take uh, Spanish-speaking soldiers or soldiers and teach them Spanish, and they teach them about the cultures and all these things of these places, and they literally send them on foreign ops to destabilize governments. That's like that's why it exists. Uh, they're all of the sort of things that you see of the 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 foreign troops or excuse me, the troops in foreign lands in, in Honduras in Guatemala and all of those places, all from the college of the Americas. Um, they'll go uh, in El Salvador. That was a really big one. Um, soldiers from the college of the Americas went down and taught the uh, guerrilla groups, um, American military tactics, gave them weapons, gave them supplies, the whole, the whole thing. And essentially said, 
see you on your merry way. Uh, and that way, the, you know, that way the United States could take advantage of a radically destabilized El Salvador. Uh, and this still happens. College of the Americas is that it's, it's very popular, actually. There's a ton of soldiers who end up going through that training. So I wow. don't know if you uh, watch the news, but... Uh, you know, I, I dabble, I dabble. So late last year, um, mm-hmm. a, a company that makes voting machines stole the election uh, yeah. and it Trump's did. out and Biden's in. So yes. the new president is Joe Biden. And what we've, in addition to that, we've heard that um, children are no longer kept in cages, that everybody mm-hmm. is being treated really well, that everybody who comes here, it's, they are greeted with a, a sack lunch and a, a bus ticket to middle America, to the middle, Absolutely. not middle America. So, um, so all of this is that we've just, all this is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. All, oh yeah. All of it. They're, they're you, being given, you know, these great the overflow uh, facilities. That's the <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, no. So, uh, that's, that's something that's, been quite well one uh right i mean right now what's what's funny is uh there's actually do you have you guys heard anything about the remain in mexico policy this is something that yeah this one yeah like i knew about this one heard it yeah so basically this was this was a trump era policy but basically uh because you know trump got uh a lot of flack for you know forcibly separating families under the zero tolerance policy he decided that the best way to sort of deal with this was instead of putting you know these these children in detention centers he would simply um keep them in tent camps in mexico so right now everybody who applies for asylum well i guess biden is no longer supposedly no longer doing this program but up until you know whenever january whatever when trump was no longer president you know, you came here for asylum and you were essentially literally sent to Mexico to wait out your asylum hearing, which, you know, could be put, I don't know, months or even years in the future uh, with no work authorization, no living quarters, no nothing. You were literally you're you were just put on the other side of the border. But um, so right now, uh, you know, there's well and also there's like deportations and stuff but like so so the kids in cages thing is still happening but that's the remaining mexico policy is bigger now but to your point of just generally you know the sort of kids in cages uh you know biden and obama built built those those centers um dilly truly trump's best line of the debates i think (laughs) really i I don't know how many there were the good ones were but that Mm -hmm. was a good one what were you saying Oh no no you're just in general uh this is this is something that kind of I don't know cracks me up a little bit is when um when Biden won that I had such well meaning like no no trouble or hate to them they really were with all the goodness in their hearts saying this but they were like oh my gosh you must be so relieved and I was <laughs> like well I mean it's significantly less likely that like I, as a lawyer, I'm going to be like put up against a wall and shot, which was, which is nice. You know, I, I like not being put up before a gun squad for the age of 30. It's always beneficial. We're uh, still fighting for that right in court. right? By yeah. way. So don't, get too, <laughs> right. don't get too comfortable. I know it. Uh, but I mean, short of that, really nothing at all, you know, changes, but, but yeah, yeah. So, so, Dilly and and these sorts of other um, concentration camps uh, are were built by Biden and Obama and 
will will remain. I, I have zero to maybe 0.5 hope that well, maybe something will happen with it. But. Yeah. And that goes to why, I mean, the kind of catalyst why I wanted you to come on is you got upset mm. about uh, Amy Siskin, who, you know, I don't know anything about Oh, her. my gosh. Yes, that she, stupid tweet. She Sorry. said that, like, <laughs> she was well, like, like one been- of the... It, oh, sorry. Yeah. And she said it's been three weeks and it already feels like different and better. And then oh. there was the one that I replied with where the two white gals were like, you know, I just realized I didn't know I who the, know secretary the secretary of, of education was. is. And I was going to look it up. And then I realized I don't have to. It's nice to not have to know these things. So like my whole point, and we've talked about this, but it's. Zach and I have talked about it on the podcast is like mm. this idea of I certainly was wrong from the that side side of, well, maybe at the very least, whatever happens with Trump, like people hate him so much that they'll use this as an opportunity to really like realize things are happening and then mm. that'll go forward. But I forgot to factor in the fa- idea that or like the human idea that we only truly care about things that make us feel a little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's, and it's, it doesn't help you going, yeah. I mean, like going forward, you, you'll probably face that a lot, but like the work is still there. Mm-hmm. And like, how will this affect you going forward, knowing that maybe people won't care as much because the big uncomfy fella is out of the white house and we have the, we have old Joe in there now. So this was actually something that when um, when the elections were going on, I was actually very worried about. Uh, and, and now, you know, I know rightfully so. But um, when when Trump right at, at like the height of everything, right, when you had like zero tolerance and the huge raids and all these things that were happening, um, it was still almost impossible to con- to, uh, to convince people that there was a genocide going on. I uh even when you know i this was like the worst but um in uh, like fall and winter ish of 2019 um one one so one of my specialties right i'm sure you can probably tell is tracking human rights abuses and you and, seem very special in general but we'll oh, thank we'll, you yeah uh one tracking of my, Human yeah, rights. yeah. Tracking human rights abuses and, and mm-hmm. access to justice issues within the U.S. immigration system. So uh, one of my the, one of the projects that I, I especially was really, really invested in in um, the fall, sort of fall and winter of 2019 was actually tracking medical neglect, medical neglect and medical abuse uh, within um, the U.S. immigration system. Ironically enough, the last thing I did uh, in 2019 before I, I switched jobs to the USCCB was I was... Uh, I was researching the lack of infection protocols in ICE detention. And so at the beginning of COVID, it was like a, I sort of was just sort of walking around in a disassociative fugue state because every day, you know, the the infection rates were crawling and and I knew, and I I know exactly what they are not doing. I, I, they don't practice any sort of quarantine. They, the, they don't they didn't even give people flu shots uh they, they said that flu shots were worthless because the immigrants you know quote unquote weren't there long enough for them to benefit uh mm-hmm. and then but so there was just an especially i guess difficult time where i would you know go to work and i would read these just 
awful trauma reports uh, of, you know, a 16 year old there, like among other things, a 16 year old um, dying on the cement floor of his cell of the, of, of the flu, not something crazy illness, the flu. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, uh, the worst, the worst case was, um, maybe this might be like a little sensitive, but there was a two-year-old baby who, um, suffered a long-standing respiratory infection and ended up, uh, dying, uh, of a very treatable mm-hmm. respiratory infection. She, um, at one point wow. she had in detention, she had 104 degree fever and had lost 10% of her body weight and she was given a popsicle. Uh, popsicle and Vicks vapor rub, and so I would I would go to work right, and I this this was my job. Like I would just read these just terrible things all day. It was very depressing at dinner parties, and and remains <laughs> so to this day. And I would come home and do all these things, and and on on you know I would talk about my my job because it's what I do, and I would say, oh my gosh, like I just cannot, I can't bear to read what's going on in the concentration camps, and inevitably. This always happened. Somebody would say, do you know, I just, I really disagree with calling them concentration. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, yeah. I just don't think that we can use the word genocide. Like this was happening, you know, at, at sort of the, the height of publicity of all of this. Right. And so, you know, if it's impossible for people to get, for, for people to, you know, believe that these things are happening when it's very, you know, very publicized, very, you know, the sort of PR is very shock and awe and stuff. I, I genuinely, seriously dread with all of my heart what these next four years are going to look like because nothing's going to change. You know, now, Michaela, I, please. I know you're. I know you're a little young, but there was this fella named Hitler, and Hitler, <laughs> yeah, Hitler yeah, right. went around. I don't know if you got into this in grade school yet. I know mm-hmm. you're. Yeah, Tell yeah, me. yeah. Like it, and I mean, I get from their stamp. Like it is, you with the with the idea of how you know, the rise of online yada yada nonsense mm. people, the idea of comparing anything to Jewish culture or the Holocaust. I know I know that's mm. like a landmine just like waiting to be exploded. But mm. at the same time, if all these things are happening, maybe calling them concentration camps helps your like maybe it will draw attention to things, right? Like you yeah, have to well, talk about it how it is, right? also the fact that concentration camp isn't it's not a term specific to world war ii there were concentration camps before and and after you know i mean we in the midst of world war ii like and and and, you know of course like when we say concentration camp of course like there's going to be these connotations of the holocaust because this is Mm. the, the largest and and you know most uh i would say damaging uh genocide of of you know the modern era like it's understandable but you know like concentration camp is is just it's a set definitional term right it is it mm-hmm. is people who are held in a camp right for various identity be that you know nationality in this case which you know immigrants nationality or or race or religion whatever and who are you know tortured that which which is what's going on you know like tortured and and you know in the and what's funny about people disliking the term concentration camp for the immigration detention centers because of world war ii what i find ironic about that is is in the the concentration camps of of the world war ii era people died largely of the things that people are dying in immigration detention of many most if not you know like lack of hygiene stuff hygiene uh medical the very things that i i you know was tracking is what, I mean, for instance, you know, like 
and Frank died of what uh, it was either typhoid or tuberculosis. One of the T's uh, died of one of those diseases. And, yeah. you know, so do you remember when she got canceled? Like, was that last I year? Do, I do remember when she got canceled. I do. And it was like, yeah. is Anne Frank a Becky or a Karen? I do um, remember oh that. Boy, I also, oh I also remember when people tried to say that she was a bisexual icon. Uh, I don't really? know. If, oh I yeah. So, that. so in, in, in like her, you know, the diary of Anne Frank, uh, the, the real one, um, not, you know, like whatever weird sanitized version, not the movie. Yeah. Not the movie. Yeah. No, I don't, she, I only want a weird sanitized version of my diary published. <laughs> right. Like so, if I ever have that happen, like, please. Yeah. Like take everything out. Right. I guess the I bullet know. journal of cool. Zach Mabry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she, she talked about, you know, I think being attracted to like one of her friends or something. And, and even though she was, you know, a child, people were like, ah, oh, yes, Anne Frank, bisexual icon. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jewish people very understandably and very rightfully were like, hey, that's kind of, that's kind of screwy. Maybe not, you know, do that. Don't like it. Not a fan of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And so, but yeah, to just, you know, kind of, Going back to your point of like Biden and all these things, like, I mean, even even right now, right? So he uh, he's getting a lot of praise for these things, which he's supposedly doing. He, you know, he had the the hundred day, what was it, the hundred day um, deportation, not detention, deportation moratorium, uh, which isn't happening right now because some judge in Texas said that they couldn't happen. Who knows? But. Um, that's, I don't know if you noticed, that's how the government works now is that, so what happens is, is that the president kind of does everything <laughs> via executive order Absolutely. and then the courts decide like, okay, well, is this executive mm-hmm. order okay or is it not okay? Not okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then the yeah. Congress just does hearings all day and night and all that's day. all they that's ever all do. That's all we do. All we do is just have hearings and, oh, this is my favorite topic. No, but this I is love... how the three branches work. So government, right. U.S. government class can just be uh, this was one two minute talk of this is how they work. This is how it goes now. You know, somewhere <laughs> this was this was obviously in 20 more in 2019, you know, like before COVID, there was a point where uh, the Judiciary Committee and, and other whatever committees in Congress were having, I mean, like easily two ish hearings a week on the detention, on the, on the camps, on the concentration camps. And it was just hearing after hearing, after briefing, after briefing, and absolutely nothing ever happened. And so it was just this like intensely depressing thing where like I would have to like, cause I mean, it was, you know, like I, I would watch these because like it, I need it for my, my data and stuff like that. And so I would just like watch these hearings where, you know, uh, uh, the mother of that two-year-old that I mentioned did a particularly gripping yeah. hearing uh, and, and testified about watching her literal infant you know die a very slow agonizing death and absolutely nothing happened for it whatsoever and so this is the the sort of uh i call it governing by briefing thing is Mm -hmm. something that i i I personally can't wait to experience for the next four years for sure Yeah, yeah, I was saying like if I was in Congress, I would start posting about QAnon so I could get the Marjorie Green treatment of not there being on any go. committees. Like there I was like, go. wow, like what a what a gift to like be told I you know, don't have that's... any meetings and you're out. <laughs> yeah, and you're when still they were getting paid. To, when still they were trying to kick her off that stuff, it seemed like she should have just been like, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so we are a Catholic podcast. We are a Catholic podcast. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hopefully all podcasts one day will be Catholic podcasts. Absolutely. So from a Catholic angle, mm-hmm. 
it's easy. It's kind. Of, it's obviously it's easy to like not care from a standpoint mm-hmm. of pay attention just because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? And right. like even the idea, like I know using myself as an example, uh, even if I knew, even if I knew how bad stuff was, I remember there's a, a one of my friends who's in the Twitter world, but I won't use mm. her name. She did her grad studies on like immigration and like mm-hmm. border stuff. And she showed me a website where it tracks migrant deaths. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's just like, it's just blocks of red. And then if you pan out far enough, it's just like basically the Southern part of Arizona where I live is just all red. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my point is we, we can, I, I know because, you know, I have been sympathetic at some point in my life to the notion of like, well, they shouldn't be crossing. Like they shouldn't Mm. like that. They're illegal immigrants, right? Like they're here illegally. So like, maybe like they should know that before they get into this whole rigmarole. Right. Like, and so I, you know, and I'm not saying that's the correct way to think I'm saying like, I totally get why Mm. people think that way. Mm. So what, what's like a good way to like, how do you, how can you talk with someone who has that stance? Cause I mean, they are here illegally. So I mean, mm-hmm. technically like all technicalities, these people might be correct, but like human wise, like it's just not good what these mm-hmm. people are. Yeah. Going like obviously it's, it's not that hard to follow the logic of people that are thinking this way. So yeah. How do you like untangle that? Like, where do you go from there? So no, it's a fantastic question. And Thank I, you. I <laughs> and I, I kind of, how I usually approach it is really is two different ways. One is by pointing out that this sort of idea, right. That they, uh, that they could come here quote unquote legally, but they just decide not to right? is, um, a complete and total fabrication there. So for instance, right. Like who wouldn't decide to come here legally if they thought that was an actual, well, exactly. So for instance, right. This, there's this sort of classic, get a visa that's the number one response everybody says well why don't they just get a visa get a visa so there's this thing called visa wait times right there's a thing called visa wait times right and so every every year uh or well it's updated monthly but basically um you can't just apply and get a visa it's not like a passport and you get it in six to ten weeks right there's there's a waiting period and uh this waiting period for different countries is different mexico right where which has you know sort of some of the highest numbers of, of immigrants, uh, the wait time is currently 25 years. So if you say that you know that one day you want your child to be an American, if you apply the day that they are born, they will be 25 years old before they're even allowed to get a visa. That is without the 10 to 15 years it takes to become a citizen. And that's honestly... That's kind of ambitious. I've seen I've I've seen it take seventeen or twenty years. I mean, it yeah. So what even decades. is the point, really? Right. At, at that point, you know, together. you have a person who won't even become an American citizen for 30, 40, sometimes even fifty years. And MS thirteen is on your door saying, "If you do not pay us, we are going to kill your firstborn child next week." Right. So there is no option at that point you 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 run you do what you can and you absolutely get the hell out of dodge this is i 
and this is going to sound like I'm kind of making a joke, but mm. I don't know. It, friend of the show, Tucker Carlson, he's not a friend. I've never <laughs> known him. He, he did a whole thing on MS-13, right? Mm-hmm. And this was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing like Tucker's going to go to the home of MS-13 or whatever they say they do, whatever mm-hmm. he was going to do. And oh, did he go point- to San Francisco? Because that's where MS-13 is from. Is it really? It, uh, MS-13 I thought it was, there was a lot in Virginia, a lot of MS-13. Yeah, it's it started. It, there are quite a bit in in sort of the eastern coast, but it's 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 an American gang. It started in San Francisco, uh, and then in the '90s, when there was the whole tough on crime thing under Bill Clinton, a Democratic president, he mm-hmm. decided he was going to deport all of them, and so he deported all of them to El Salvador and Honduras. That's how you make them angry. Mm-hmm. And so-, um, so they came into this place, and we had just in the '80s done a coup in several Northern Triangle countries. So there was no government. And fun fact, the guy who trained MS-13, who who really made them what there were, a guy called Ernesto, was trained by the Green Berets at the, uh, who had come from the College of the Americas. See, it all it all ties in. It's all that's, really fun. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a uh, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, when you put it like the MS-13 is knocking on your door, in theory, like that's the enemy that we we all get scared of but i think but it's always pitched as like maybe ms13 is coming over right so these people are oh, yeah, yeah. these people are like running from ms13 and then they have to basically just prove that they also aren't ms13 which i again part of my brain realizes the sympathetic is sympathetic to that idea in theory right mm-hmm. like you don't want ms13 just like running wild but again it's used as an umbrella um, kind of an umbrella to like oh yeah to just do all of these like kind of make it all kind of cloudy right like mm-hmm. and i kind of like going back to your sort of like you know the catholic response and and mm-hmm. what's sort of the human uh perspective on this you know if we say that all of these things were true say that mm-hmm. every single person was an ms-13 every single person and they're all they're all coming and they all got the ms-13 guns what what they do the caravan of ms-13 yeah whatever it is and they're coming and they're coming with their drugs what whatever right you know who knows worst worst case scenario worst nightmare happens at that point right they're mm-hmm. still human beings i would say i and and i have said you know when so like when when a client, you know, when, when I'm given a client, right, my job at that moment is to advocate for the inherent dignity that they have as a human being and a child of God. I don't care what their criminal past is. I don't care what mm-hmm. they may or may not have done. My job in that moment is to be their advocate, is to be their voice in a system that does not recognize them as a human being, right? And so... You know, we could, I, I could, I, I, you know, I could sit here and, you know, do all the factoids of how, you know, they're not MS-13, because they're not, you know, they're not MS-13, and they don't, they have all of these things, but, but, you know, fundamentally, that actually shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter what, you know, their criminal background and their, all of these things are, ultimately, they are human beings. They are, they have the inherent touch of the image of God, and so, like, you know, they no no I would I would not wish 
the things that I've seen and read and heard, I genuinely, with all of my heart, would not wish on my worst enemy. If Donald Trump himself, if Donald Trump, Bill Barr, Stephen Miller, right? If, if Mr. Blump, continue. sir. Continue. Yeah. Mr. Blump, sir, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, no, no person, <laughs> and now I'm going to get like emotional, but no person deserves to be kept in a room that is 40 degrees and given a mylar sheet and two bologna sandwiches a day and kept that way on cement floors for a week. And meanwhile, when they sleep at night, the lights are on and they're woken up and children aren't allowed to touch each other or hug or comfort each other because that is seen as bad. And, you know, mothers have these kids and they're not allowed to give them extra food and their medicines and their clothing are taken away. And they, you know, I, I there was one case where, um, and this might be a bit graphic, but honestly, who cares? Um, I, I know a lawyer whose client was a small child who um, was throwing up blood, just being graphic, throwing up blood in detention mm -hmm. there, was given no medical treatment, none. I don't care if they are a child assassin of MS-13 and they have killed 20 people with a dagger and like they're like right tooth or something right like no human being deserves to go through that um you know and so which you know this very earnest and very emotional but but it's but yeah. it's the truth you know it's it's what it's what i've seen and it's it's what what's going on you know yeah i mean so, at the at the end of the day like we all like, I, I mean, it's just, we have to stand before God and talk about what, and he'll, he'll, he'll tell us what we've done. Right. And we, it's going to be pretty insane. Like, so you want to make it, you want to make it so the good outweighs the bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same go, it like, it involves with all the, it, the same goes for all the people involved in the situation. So like mm -hmm. it, not, it, nobody is like kind of nobody is nobody's sins in the situation are going to be just kind of cast aside because oh that's just what was going on that's just like a sign of the times right or right. like or is something is like they're gonna take our jobs right like which is the mm. classic yeah thing, right like so uh, yeah i mean that that's uh i don't know the way you put it is good like you your goal is the dignity of the person right that's right. what we're supposed to that's what we're supposed to care about first and foremost. So, and I think, and and you know, I think a lot of people, right, and who may, you know, have 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 the sort of opinions that we've been talking about, right? They're going to take our jobs, or or the well, they came here illegal. All these things. Mm -hmm. I can honestly say that most of the time, it's not because they are like you know deeply evil people who just want to do a genocide, right? The majority of the time it it's because it's, it's hard. It's hard to see human beings suffer and know that that's going on. And, you know, knowing that these things are happening and you have a responsibility to say something and do, I mean, compassion fatigue is real, right? Like, I mean, like I, listen, I, I mean, I feel it. I think though that it's, you know, and, you know, going back to sort of like the Catholic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's this, uh, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's, it's been going around Twitter a lot and I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's, it's an artwork. Um, and I, by somebody on Twitter, I think 
her name's Marza or something, and it's an it's an icon of the Good Samaritan. But the the caption on the artwork is "Refusing to harden your heart is a radical act," um, and it mm. is my absolute favorite thing because it's true. Like it is deeply difficult to see people suffer, to know even that people are suffering, and it's hard to sort of affirmatively go against the grain and do everything you can for them even if you know like not everybody is going to be able to you know be a lawyer and do the things you know some some people will just be able to pray and i mean that's a completely valid and okay thing like but in refusing to harden our hearts and even affirmatively grieving for every person that we you know that that goes through this like we are in of themselves practicing radical virtue by doing that because we're standing against a culture that says any action robs a person of their humanity, right? It's, it's almost a satanic idea of things, right? The, if you, you know, the Satan meaning accuser, like this idea, it's the same thing that like why Satan prevents souls from going to confession, right? Because this idea that what you have done is now who you are and that, you know, you are subject to suffering and cruelty and death strictly because of what you have done. And we, as, as Catholics, know that we are made for so much more. And, you know, like the same thing applies when we're advocating and, and you know, promoting justice for others. Like we, we grieve and we do these things because, like, we can't harden our hearts because, like, that it's the only, I don't know, I'm probably rambling, but it's, it's the only option, no, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. And it sometimes that means doing that like i think sometimes people are scared of that because well one because it's a lot but two Mm. because that could mean that the bad guys win and i mean bad guys in terms of like our political our political opponents right so like you Mm. if i'm i i have to be careful agreeing with you because like maybe then my precious republicans won't win right or Mm -hmm. like i have to or like I'm sure these pro, you see these feminist pro life groups get <clears throat> they get like not allowed to march in these things because they're pro life right so right. like they're on the side of these feminist groups except for the idea of abortion so they can't march because then maybe yeah. the anti-abortion groups win right like it, yeah so like that's where we get in trouble we kind of find ourselves in trouble is mm. sometimes agreeing to do the correct thing means that our our opponents might prosper yeah and it uh i guess we just have to like throw that aside and not care about it really yeah i mean it's it, at the end of the day you know it there's like kind of like you said like you know they're they're they'll the sort of like it's almost a you know sort of funny protestant idea of, you know you'll stand before god and he'll he'll you know recount all the things but but it's true like you know like mm-hmm. i mean we do have that we, we do, no, we, you have, we your, you have your general, your particular judgment. Yeah, no, you do. It, it just reminds me of all the altar calls that I went through when I was yeah. like a kid. Oh, you know, that, that was just like sort of the, the common line for the altar call. My Baptist church growing up was, you know, if you stand before God. But um, anyways, um, but ultimately, like, when you die, right, the Lord honestly is not going to care what your political affiliation was. He's not going to ask you, so did you vote Republican? Or mm-hmm. did you do your best for the Republican Party? He's going to say, did you do your best for me? 
And if, if, if I can't say yes, then I have utterly and totally failed. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's a great point. Like there have been tons of times where I, I mean, like, you know, even though, as we've said, Biden and the the sort of establishment Democratic Party is very much in the same boat as far as immigration with the Republicans, right? Most A mm. lot of the people and the advocacy organizations and all these things are Democrats uh, who are, you know, very, like, pro-abortion and all these things. And there's been tons of times where, like, there, I, you know, I've been, I've worked with people who hold fundamentally different views from me on various political things, but the people who are dying don't have the luxury of Twitter fights and they don't have the luxury of deciding who their favorite newscast pundit is, right? Like they are, they're dying. I don't, if, if somehow there was some Republican president who wasn't insane or whatever, and he president would, Trump, but continue, you know, <laughs> the, the, be all, the be end all be all. Yeah. I mean, I would vote for him, like, like if, again, this is not going to happen, but in this magical fantasy world where he would, you know, do all of the things and, and make. Well, yeah. I a, mean, they obviously. More perfect world. Um, yeah. The, per, <laughs> the perfect candidate probably won't ever right. come along. Sure. I'd, I'd vote for him tomorrow. I don't care. It, you know, yeah. like, I, I ultimately like what matters to me is the safety and dignity of humanity as a whole and so that means there's a lot of times that like we're going to have to work with and speak with and dialogue with people that we otherwise don't really care for or get, a, did get you, along with did um, you you listed off like Stephen Miller and all those guys did you know mm. Ann Coulter follows Zach <gasps> Zach she doesn't that's hilarious yeah I actually like I got to meet her. She's very nice in person. You know, like I really, I don't know. I mean, I know that she's obviously extremely controversial, but you know. Wait, I need, I want everything like soup to nuts. I need, I need to know. I need to know everything about this exchange. Cause I, she's, she's the only uh, person who has a weird West wing character that, you know, I just I think she's an incredibly strange person. I'm kind of fascinated with her, honestly. I don't think she's actually real. I think she's probably like part robot or something. Yeah, she is definitely part robot. She did that uh, roast of Peyton Manning. Did he? Did and she, she threw out she threw out some good zingers. That was fun. She is a lady for the zingers, zingers yep. and bleach bottle blonde hair. You know, best of both yep. worlds, right there. Michaela Stover, where can people find you? On Twitter and in life <laughs> and whatever. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at at Talitha, T-A-L-I-T-H-A underscore rising, R-I-S-I-N-G. What's the significance of that? Um, so in the scriptures, uh, Jesus goes to the, the little girl who has died and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And oh, I am a convert. And so I was outside of the bounds of the Catholic Church and therefore on my deathbed. And he called my name. Now I'm here, but it's a work in progress. So I am rising off of my deathbed. Hopefully one day I'll get to the beatific vision and we'll be all the way alive. It'll be great. That's amazing. And, and you're on Rehumanize International. Is that the thing? 
Oh, that's I'm not gotta, with, I'm not associated with them. I've just done a couple things for them, oh, but okay. um, I, I I wrote an article for them. Uh, if they if you can go on YouTube, I think and type in my name and theirs, and it'll come up with my talk that I did for them. Um, I uh, yeah, and if any of them ever want to get in touch with me and talk about you know any of the things that we've talked about they're free feel free to email me at stover s-t-o-v as in victor e-r-m like monkey at c-u-a.edu completely okay with them having my email and talking amazing well this has been great yeah uh, thanks for having me it hasn't been completely depressing at all (laughs) i'm so glad at one point i was like oh no it's it's gonna be so it's gonna be so sad because that's inevitably how these conversations go if we i think we all know if we're gonna bring someone on to talk about immigration that it's gonna get a little dicey (laughs) right and you know and and like i guess if you want i can end with like my my like one of my favorite very uplifting and encouraging things um but so so the mom of of the two-year-old uh who died um her name's yasmin war the the mom's name is yasmin juarez and my Mm -hmm. favorite story um to ever tell that sort of to me defines the people that i work with and how amazing they are is that she uh and you can look this up she was you know gave this long testimony before congress about her daughter and the circumstances of her death and um there was sort of a a thing where you know the she was wrapping up and she looked at these members of Congress, the government yeah. who was, who was quite literally responsible for everything tragic who had ever happened to her. And she said, I want you all to know that I have prayed for each of you by name and that I ask that God blesses you each by name. And she said, I thank God that he has given me a heart that is noble, but weak. And she said this in front of Congress. Wow. And I I burst I burst into tears. I was on the hill. I burst into tears. Just I mean, like so you were there. You this is when you were there. I I wasn't in the room because I was in the overflow room. But I but I was on the hill. Got it. Yeah, the overflow facility, if you will. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't actually in the room for that one. Uh, but I I was I was at the event. Still, that's yeah. Wow, that's uh, it. That all those stories. Whenever you hear those stories of people saying that to people who have done them wrong, it's just so inspiring. Like you wonder you wonder if you would ever have the strength yeah. to do that as well. And, and they're, they're all just like, absolutely. I mean, they're all like that. I mean, the, uh, I think it was the night of the election or whatever. Uh, the people in the remain in Mexico tent camps who like these, the, these are tent camps who uh, one woman said they were worse than the conditions she had seen in, in Syrian refugee camps. The yes. night of the election, they were singing hymns. They were singing hymns to God, praising him, regardless of the outcome of the election, because he was given giving them an opportunity to just even be there. Like these are the best, most compassionate, most faithful people that I've ever known. Amazing. Yeah. That's a great, great way to end it. Zach, do you have, <laughs> do you, do you, do you have any final words? Um, I'm just, I, I appreciate Michaela coming on and we have to have her back to talk about her conversion too. And it'll, it'll be we, the best. Yeah. Yeah. We, I love conversion stories. So Michaela, if you can come back and tell us your conversion story sometime. Hey, anytime. I would be great. Anytime. All right. Me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Michaela Stover, legend. Go find her on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you next week. Thanks guys.